Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires Well, I want to say hi to everyone here and those who are joining us online. Uh, I'm glad that you've been here throughout this series that we are concluding today. Uh, this series has been about being all in and about the power of commitments. Uh, we talked the first week about how we live in a society that fears commitments. Uh, we tend to be afraid of commitment. If I make a commitment, that means I need to give up my freedom. And I don't want to give up my freedom. I want to have control. Now, there's a lot of fear around commitment. However, we talked about how it's actually only when we make commitments that we're free to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. We actually find ourselves, our identity, in the commitments that we make. And then the next week, we talked about financial commitment and how Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. He didn't say give because the, the church needs your money. Um, he said give and you'll actually experience a better life. I was thinking about this because God's commandments are always given for our benefit. Um, at the last church that I was a part of, actually the last several churches that I've been a part of, just before the offering, uh, someone, usually the person who's uh, doing the announcements, would say, you know, if you're visiting... This is not for you. Uh, just let the offering baskets go by. Just kind of take a pass. Don't worry about obeying God's command to give. You know, we, we never do that with other commandments in the Bible. Uh, if we were talking about the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, we would never say, you know, if you're visiting today, just feel free to take a pass on that commandment. Because life is better if you don't commit adultery. You see, life is better if you give, when we commit ourselves to the commandments of God, uh, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it because they make our lives better. And then last week, Scott talked about relationships. Uh, to say to someone, I'm going to commit my life to you is something I don't want to do unless I know, can I trust you? In friendships, in family, especially in marriages, in uh, a wedding ceremony, uh, a wedding ceremony fundamentally isn't about the music or the clothes. It's fundamentally about a promise, about a commitment, about a covenant. I take you, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are separated by death. That promise is so important that it has to be witnessed. You know, in older wedding ceremonies, there was actually a question that got asked. Does anyone know any reason why these two should not be married? If you do, speak now or forever hold your peace. In movies, that part is always in weddings. And someone always says something dramatic so that Julia Roberts can marry the right guy and not the wrong guy. And it struck me, you know, I, I get to go to a lot of weddings. No one ever asks that question at weddings. Have you ever noticed that? A friend of mine is a pastor, and he was officiating his daughter's wedding and he decided he was going to ask that question at his daughter's wedding. And he set it up ahead of time so a random person would stand up and say, actually, I'm her probation officer, and I have real serious reservations about this wedding. 
they play a lot of practical jokes on each other and their family, and so he thought it would be a fun prank on his daughter. Uh, but he forgot to tell the groom's family about it, and they didn't think it was very funny at all. When you're making a commitment, you want to know, can I trust you? You know, when I was a kid, we used to actually take a little oath uh, because oftentimes we're not trustworthy. We get desperate when we really want someone to believe us. I promise what I'm telling you is the truth. Cross my heart. Anyone remember saying that as a kid? Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Who came up with that? Like, I want you to know if I'm not telling the truth, may bad things happen to me. And all of this leads to the great question today. Can I trust God? I was talking to someone who had suffered a lot. Uh, He was telling me, you know, if I really trust God with everything, I'm afraid he's going to hurt me. You know, God, can I, can I really trust you with everything? Can I really trust you with my money? Can I really trust you with my relationships? Can I really trust you with my sexuality, with my time, with my children, with my life, with my death? It turns out God not only understands this question, uh, he not only tolerates this question, he actually welcomes it. When that question was asked for the first time in the Bible, it kind of changed history. And it could change your life. That might happen today during the service. We're going to take a moment to actually think about and express our commitments to God today. I want to start by going way back to the beginning uh, when God was going to begin a redemptive movement, movement in human history. He came to a man named Abraham. Originally, his name was Abram. Uh, God said to him, Abram, I want you to be the father of my people. I'm going to give you a son. Uh, I'm going to start a new people, uh, a new people of Israel with you. And I'm going to uh, use you to bless all the people in the world. And I want you to leave your homeland, and I want you to go to a new land, and I'm going to show you what it is, and I want you to take possession of that land. And it's very interesting because Abram is being asked to do a lot, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? There's like this interesting tension here. Sovereign Lord, that's a big title. How do I know I can trust you? Like, how do I know you're actually going to do this? How do I know you're not going to hurt me? You know, if I was the sovereign Lord, I would have been tempted to say, well, puny little human, how do I know I can trust you? Uh, But God doesn't do that. God instead responds differently. So the Lord said to him, again, Abram is asking him, how do I know I can trust you? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. Now, what in the world is going on here? It's kind of strange, isn't it? Well, in the ancient world, everyone would have known immediately. Uh, In the ancient world, when people were going to make a commitment to each other, they would do what was called a covenant. And Scott talked about this last week, if you were here to hear that. A covenant is just a word for a promise. It's a a very serious promise. It's a real solemn vow that binds people to each other. You can trust me. I will do what I tell you I will do. You can count on my commitment. Because we're often untrustworthy, they would make an oath. It was called an oath of malediction. Uh, May something bad happen to me if I don't keep my word. 
they would take these animals like a, a calf or a goat or a ram and literally cut them in half. Uh, now later, this would become a big meal, uh, a big celebration, so it was kind of a, a banquet kind of a deal. But first, they would put one half of the animal on one side and one half on the other side as a way of saying, if I don't keep my word to you, may what happened to these animals happen to me. And then together, they would go on what was called a covenant walk. It sounds gruesome and, and bloody to us, uh, a dead half calf, like a half cut, you know, a, a calf cut in half. Uh, if you ever heard someone at Starbucks order a half calf, now you know where that came from. Okay, I'm sorry. That was funny to me. I know it's not funny to some people. Uh, anyway, there's this covenant walk. Uh, it's a strange thing in our day, uh, but it wasn't back then uh, because an oath was a very serious deal. In fact, if you ever read through the Bible and you see the phrase where two people make a covenant, literally the text in the Hebrew language is they cut a covenant. It's referring precisely to this uh, custom that they had. It was a way of saying, I'm telling you the truth. Cross my heart. Hope to die. If a covenant was made, say, by a king and a bunch of less powerful people, it would have been because there was something in it for the king. He would always get grazing rights or water or gold or something. And then there's Abram and God. Abram is going to get a great blessing, great wealth. He's going to get a new people group, a child, a new land. What does God get out of this covenant? Someone to bless. Someone to commit himself to. This would have been a radical departure from the norm in Israel I mean, there had never been in the history of the human race the idea of an all-good, all-powerful God who wants to enter into a covenant with people whom he will commit himself to with nothing in return. He doesn't get anything out of it. They all believed in gods, but they thought of it more as a contract kind of a thing. Zeus or Baal or whoever would be our God, and we would build him a, a temple, we would offer him sacrifices and, you know, give him grain and have like a cult of worship, and then he was, his job was to give fertility or rain or wealth or health or whatever. It was kind of a, a, a quid pro quo deal. If Zeus didn't give me what I wanted, then I would go to another God, I would go to Apollo. It was a contract thing. And a lot of people in our day approach God as if it's kind of a, a contract relationship. Uh, we don't think about God when things are going well, but then when we want something, God, you have to give me this job. God, you have to give me this relationship. You have to give me my health. You have to give me my children's health. You have to arrange my circumstances just right. And if you do that, then I'll go to church more often, I'll tithe, I'll read the Bible, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We approach it kind of like a contract deal. And then we play all these kinds of spiritual games to get what we want from, from God, and we try to look uh, real spiritual. A guy prays, God, I'd really like a donut, but I'm only going to get a donut if it's your will that I have a donut. Um, I'll drive to the donut shop, but I'll only get a donut if there's an open parking spot in front of the shop. That way I will know this donut is a part of your will for my life. And sure enough, his sixth time around the donut shop, a spot was open right in the front. <laughs> God, I just want your will. It's like a contract deal. You know, when it's a contract relationship, I'm always looking for loopholes. I'm always looking 
to find what the fine print says. I'm always wondering, are you trying to take advantage of me? Like, how can I get out of this if I need to get out of it? Have you ever tried to get out of a cell phone contract? Well, a covenant is different altogether. A covenant is a promise from the heart. A lot of times people try to make a contract sound like that, uh, but it isn't. I was reading an article, I think I told you uh, a couple weeks ago, I was reading this article that said, uh, the corporation today is what the family used to be. You know, your company, where you work, is your new family. No, it's not. I mean, that's a contract. And the quickest way to prove that is, don't do your job for a couple weeks. And then when you get fired and you go to your boss and say, hey, you can't fire me, we're family. They'll say, no, you're not. Yesterday you were family, today you're fired. You see, the difference between a company and a family is in a family, you can't get fired. A family is built not when someone's born, but when there's a promise, when there's a commitment, when there's a covenant. I'm your dad. As long as you live, I will always be your dad. I don't care where you go or what you do. You can betray my values. You can defy my God. You can break my heart. You can spit in my face. I will always be your dad. I'm committed to you. It's a heart thing. And God comes to this little man, Abram, and he says, I'll always be your dad. I'll always love you. I'll always be there for you. I will always walk with you. And that just blew the minds of people in ancient Israel. I mean, they couldn't get over it. They loved to talk about God as the God of the covenant. The writers of scripture used that word covenant more than 300 times. They would talk about how God made a covenant with his friend Moses on Mount Sinai, and he gave him the Ten Commandments. How God made a covenant with his friend David when he made him the king. How God made a covenant with Noah after the flood. God was excited to make these covenants because God is a God of love, and love loves to commit. That's why God said to Noah, then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you. God is so excited about this. And it's not just with you, but with your descendants after you. And not just that, but every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. God is making a covenant with the whole earth, the birds, with animals. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will, will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And no one must have loved the rainbow. And then God comes to a man named Abraham, and he says, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. You are to undergo circumcision. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, that had to be a huge disappointment to Abraham after Noah got a rainbow. I mean, couldn't we do like a secret handshake as a symbol of the covenant or something like that? God loves to make a covenant. He loves to commit himself to people. He does that with Abram. And then there's a covenant walk. And then there's this really strange thing that happens in it. Uh, it would have been very apparent to the people reading this in the ancient world. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. He cut a covenant with Abram. There are these bloody halves of animals on either side, and it's time for the covenant walk. And this strange thing happens with Abraham. He sees this vision, and the the blazing torch, of course, would stand for God. Uh, The fire is the presence of God. Um, That goes on the covenant walk. But Abraham doesn't go on the covenant walk. Only God does the covenant walk. It's like God is saying, I'll do the covenant walk for you. If this covenant gets broken, may the curse of the broken covenant fall on me. Cross my heart. Hope to die. You see, a covenant always involves two parties, and that's what we're going to be thinking about in the next few moments. And what I'd like you to consider doing today is to say to God, God, I want to renew my covenant with you. I want to renew my commitment to you. Because we have a way of slipping in our covenants. I was thinking of a picture of this. Somehow I'll end up on uh, email lists that I don't want to be on. Uh, It happens a lot in our day. You buy something online and you end up on someone's email distribution list. It's kind of annoying. But there's a little word at the very bottom of the email. If I click on that word, it will terminate our email relationship. And that word is? Unsubscribe. It's a wonderful word, isn't it? I was thinking how there are often times in my relationship with God when I will think, I really don't want to obey God in this thing that he's asking me to do, unsubscribe. I really would rather indulge this sexual appetite, unsubscribe. I really, I don't want to bring God my tithes and be a generous person, unsubscribe. I don't really feel like praying to God right now, unsubscribe. I don't really feel like having my mind shaped by God's word. I'd rather let it just be shaped by whatever kind of garbage this world is going to send my way. Unsubscribe. You know, it's Black History Month. I really don't feel like learning about what oppression and injustice and a lack of love looks like and how my heart is with that kind of stuff. I really don't want God to change me where he wants to change me. Unsubscribe. You see, I do that with God all the time. And then he feels distant, and it wounds the heart of God. And that's why God creates what's called a covenant renewal ceremony, where people could renew their covenant once again. A long time after Abraham, Moses comes along, and God makes a covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai. God reminds the people of Israel, I'm your father. I'm your dad. I delivered you from slavery in Egypt. I'm going to make you into a great people. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. And you may know this about the Ten Commandments. Uh, They're chiseled on two tablets. Um, There were two tablets. So Moses comes down the mountain with two tablets. And I used to think that meant there were like five commandments on one tablet and five commandments on the other tablet. That's not the deal. Anytime there was a covenant, there would be two copies, uh, two records of the covenant that was made, one for each party. Well, when Moses comes down with two tablets, One tablet belongs to the people of Israel. Guess who the other tablet belongs to? It's God. Because God is the other part of that covenant. And so it goes into what's called the Ark of the Covenant. And Moses reads the covenant to the people. Look what happens. Then then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. Uh, It's about how much God loves them and what life uh, should look like uh, when God's leading your life. And they're so overwhelmed with this idea that the God of the universe wants to be in this covenant relationship with them, they responded 
We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. And the idea is not that they're doing this reluctantly. It's not, you know, someone else is making me do this. It's not, well, I guess I have to follow these uh, rules now. It's like, I want to do this. I want to give my heart to God. Some friends of mine made it through a rocky season of their marriage, and they, when they made it through, they decided they wanted to renew their covenant with each other. You know, they were a little bit older now. They, you know, the kids were uh, out of the house. They were empty nesters at the time. And when they got married the first time, it was kind of a sudden deal. Uh, but then they wanted to renew their covenant, and so they decided they wanted to do it right. And so they did it on a beautiful setting on the beach in Hawaii. And after many, many years and all kinds of joys and absolute heartbreaks, they stood there and they said, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, to love and to cherish until death do us part, which is going to be a lot sooner now. You see, love loves to commit. It loves to make a promise. When you love someone, you just want to say, I'll be there for you. Just give me a chance to make a promise. Now, covenant commitments generally involve symbols because where the heart is involved, it's so deep that words just can't quite convey it. Um, At a wedding, we often exchange rings as that symbol. Uh, There's a symbol in the covenant renewal ceremony that's very important. Uh, Moses reads the book of the covenant. The people say, God, whatever you say, we'll do it, we'll obey. Moses then took the blood. Remember, it's a bloody deal. Animals have died for this sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now just picture this for a moment. Moses takes the blood from these animals and he, like, animals have died for this. I mean, this is a bloody uh, mess. And he sprinkles it all over the people. And, you know, how would you like that if I did that in here? Like, I kind of thought of that. Like, we could kind of do this here, but then I thought I'd like to keep my job. Um, Now, what is this about? Why would he sprinkle blood on the people? Well, they lived in a completely different world. Uh, They lived in a world where they were very aware of death and bloody messes. Uh, We live in a completely different world. Uh, Charles Taylor, in a brilliant book, says that we live in what's called the buffered self. We buffer ourselves from all the harsh realities of this world in which we live in. We think of the universe like this big, giant machine, and we're really smart. We have it all figured out. We can understand it through science. We can control it through technology. We can avoid death so that we don't have to look at it. We don't have to smell it. We put it in hospitals. We forget what a bloody thing birth is. I had not seen birth until my wife gave birth to our daughter, and that's when I realized babies do not come into this world very neat. I mean, they don't come into this world wrapped in a little blanket. Um, it's like something out of a movie. And if you've never seen it, it's awful. It's slimy. There's openings and stuff coming out. It's horrible. And I got white as a ghost, and I was feeling kind of woozy. And the doctor said, you need to sit down in this chair and put your head between your legs. And I did. And a couple of minutes later, Kathy asked the doctor, is everything okay? And the doctor immediately said, yes, your husband and your daughter are both pinking up around the same time. You know, we forget because we live in a buffered self in this buffered world. We're born in blood. And as long as our blood flows, we live. When we lose our blood, we lose our life. Life is in the blood. 
And they wanted to know because they lived in an unbuffered world with an unbuffered self. So a covenant deal was a heart deal. It was a blood deal. It was a life or death deal. You know, when a baby comes into this world, if it cannot trust that someone is going to keep a promise to that baby, I will be there for you, I will be with you, I will be your dad, that baby's going to die. When you wake up in the morning, you have the luxury of forgetting about this because you're a buffered self in a buffered world. But if the sun doesn't come up, if the law of gravity doesn't hold, if your heart doesn't uh, keep pumping that blood, and you can't control any of that stuff, who do you trust? The universe? God? You see, there was a day when people were so much more aware of the wonder and the mystery and the uncontrollability of life that faith came easier to them than it does to us. Not because they were unscientific or foolish, but because they lived in an unbuffered reality. We doubt and we question and we clutch and we hold and we sin and our hearts get hard and cold. And God makes another promise. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. A new covenant. I will make a new promise. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand. I mean, there's a tender picture, right? When I took them by the hand, like you would do with someone you love. When I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, because they broke my heart. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. He uses the most tender, intimate picture possible of human love. It's like a husband and a wife. It's like a, a bride and a groom. Does anyone have any reason why these two should not be married? Yeah, I do. Me. My selfishness, my pride, my heart, my, uh, my ego. I'm going to make a new covenant, God says. Not like the old one that got broken it broke my heart. I tried to take these people by the hand. They broke my heart. And so he thinks and he thinks and he thinks. And then one day, he sends his son Jesus. And no one has ever talked about the heart of God, the love of God the Father, the way Jesus did. Jesus taught about God's covenant with his creation in ways no one had never heard. And then he faced a lot of opposition, and then he was going to die and he understood something was happening in his death that he wanted the world to know, but they didn't get. The night before he died, he gathered his friends together. He sat them around a table, and he poured a cup of wine. And he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross tomorrow. Uh, it's going to wreck your life. I mean, you're going to think it's the end. You're going to end up feeling despair, but it's not the end. I'm going to rise again. And here's what's going on. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. You know that promise God made a long time ago? That's a life or death deal. That's a bloody deal. He's quoting Moses here. Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant. Jesus didn't say this is the blood of the covenant. He said, this is my blood. You know that covenant, that, you know, that walk that happened so long ago with Abraham and God, that promise that God made? It's my blood. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he was doing the covenant walk for you and for me. Cross my heart, hope to die. That's our God. We're going to take communion in a moment. And I just want, to have, want you to have this reminding thought. It's only because of the covenant that God made 
between you and me that we are invited to the communion table, that we are worthy to receive the communion elements as a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. You know, in spite of all of our fallenness, in spite of all of our brokenness, he delights in us like a groom delights in his bride, like a father delights in his child. We come to the communion table to remember once again the great love of our covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and that he would send his son to die in order to establish a new covenant with us. In just a moment, the band's going to play another song, and when they do, I'd like to ask you to come to either one of the stations in the front or in the back and take a piece of bread that symbolizes the body of Christ that was broken for you and then dip it into the cup that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for you and eat it. And you don't have to walk back to your chair. uh, Just eat it and remember him. So that's one aspect of what we're going to do in just a moment when the band closes with a song. Also, I want to ask you, wherever you are, Is there an area where your commitment to God, the covenant that you've made to God, has been slipping? Any secret sin no one knows about? Any hidden habit? Any relationship where you hurt someone or you wounded someone or someone who has hurt you and you've been saying to yourself, you know what, I get to nurse this grudge. I can kind of put them in a category where I don't have to love them. I don't have to live with a tender heart toward them. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe there's a time in your life when, like Israel, hearing the book of the covenant, you used to just love to be in God's word, to read God's word, and now it's just kind of a a book that sits on the shelf. Or you used to love to pray and talk to God, and now you haven't talked deeply to God for a very long time. We're going to renew our covenant to God today. It always helps to have a symbol when we renew our covenant covenant. Uh, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but our, some of our board of elders and our staff have something that we'd like to tie around your wrist as a way of saying, God, I'm renewing my commitment. God, I'm renewing my covenant with you. Rather than sprinkling you with blood, uh, we thought we would tie a red string around your wrist as a symbol of your renewed covenant. You know, red is the symbol of the blood of Christ that was shed so that we can be in a covenant relationship with God. Just like a wedding, we use a ring as a symbol. Just like my friends who stood on the beach to renew their covenant said to each other, with all that I am, with all that I have, I'm yours. Let's just say that to God when you tie that red string around your wrist. With all that I am, with all that I have, God, I'm yours. All right, let me pray before we take uh, these next steps together. Heavenly Father, you know every heart in this room. God, you know that uh, we can get uh, cold or hard or busy or distracted or guilty or afraid or angry or wounded, uh, and we just come to you now, and we just ask you to heal us. Would you cover us with your love, and would you bring us back to life again? God, we thank you that you promised to love us, that you promised to be our dad. God, we thank you that you do the covenant walk that we could never do. You make the sacrifice that we could never offer. You suffer the death that we could never give. Now, God, we are your people. Uh, We're kind of a mess. Uh, We often think that we're smarter and better and brighter than we are, but we're kind of a mess. And we just bring our mess to you. 
We bring our messy hearts and our messy lives to you. And we do that with our families. We do that with our groups. We do that one-on-one. God, we are your children. We want to have your hearts. And we want to tell you again, with all that we are, with all that we have, God, we're yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just as you feel led and the band's going to be playing a song, come forward or to the back and take communion. And then there are, there's a station on the left and the right and the front uh, if you'd like to renew your covenant with God. And then uh, come back to your seats and join us in this last song. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today.